Welcome to Control Intelligence, a control design podcast that goes deep inside the automation and technology that machine builders and system integrators rely on to keep machines humming. I'm Mike Bassador, Editor-in-Chief of Control Design, and in this episode, I'll be discussing two very special places in New England that I visited while in Boston for Automation Fair. The Advanced Regenerative Manufacturing Institute, Biofab USA, and Down East Cider House. Both of these organizations are addressing scalable production with technology. First, let's discuss the Advanced Regenerative Manufacturing Institute, Biofab USA. How do you give life to a new industry? There's a short list of individuals experienced in parenting a disruption of such magnitude. Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, Steve Jobs, and Bill Gates come to mind immediately. Dean Kamen, founder of First Robotics and Segway, as well as DECA Research and Development, is an equally disruptive force. During a tour of Biofab USA in Manchester, New Hampshire, Dean Kamen, one of its primary drivers, remembered when he'd talked with President Barack Obama and pointed out to him that the difference between scientific research and industry was staggeringly huge. We don't even have the real roots of the industry that is going to take the science out of the labs at Biofab USA and bring it to industry, he told Obama. The Advanced Regenerative Manufacturing Institute, ARMI, or ARMI, a member-driven 501c3 nonprofit organization created Biofab USA, one of 16 Manufacturing USA institutes, born from a federal initiative that originated during the Obama administration. Biofab USA integrates cell and tissue cultures with advances in biofabrication, automation, robotics, and analytical technologies to create disruptive tools and scalable FDA-compliant manufacturing processes. When ARMI first started, Cayman predicted that the dynamic range of people getting involved in it would be unprecedented. It grew to well over 100 members in just a few years. Getting an industry up from nothing required standards and systems. That substrate needed to be created and a massive infrastructure was needed to turn it into a high volume business. Now staffed by 67 employees, as well as embedded employees from more than 200 member companies, Biofab USA has grown quickly since its inception in 2017. ARMI began with an $80 million grant from the Department of Defense and just a handful of member companies. Cayman's vision is not only to facilitate the ability to grow human tissue for organs, but to automate the process and then democratize it to the point of providing machinery small enough to place in a doctor's office. He remembers telling the Department of Defense that he has mechanical engineers, system engineers, and controls engineers but not a single MD in his company. His organization knew nothing about the world of synthetic biology, but they knew the engineering side of a lot of things. Cayman sent to work on recruiting the leaders to steer the Institute into disruptive waters. He called John Abley, the co-founder and director of Boston Scientific. He called Martine Rothblatt, 
United Therapeutics CEO and the founder of Sirius Satellite Radio. The third person he called was Blake Moret, the CEO of Rockwell Automation, whom he knew through First Robotics. Along with Dr. Jim Weinstein, Senior Vice President for Microsoft Healthcare and former CEO of Dartmouth-Hitchcock, these five became the BioFab USA Board of Directors. Among the embedded people at ARMI BioFab USA are Rockwell employees, such as Wayne Charest, Biomanufacturing Automation Specialist, and John Hatzis, Global Industry Technical Consultant, Life Sciences. These two were two of the first to join ARMI. The first year, ARMI was a manufacturing institute, which is made up by its members. They spent a lot of time the first year trying to teach the members about automation, and they created a program called Automation 101. After the first year, Charest helped to create the Tissue Foundry, which was the first automated tissue line. Rockwell Automation supplies the technology that automates the Tissue Foundry. Charest admitted they couldn't have gotten those done in the first years without John Hatzis. Hatzis works with a variety of life sciences companies, and he's proud to witness and be part of the birth of an industry in New Hampshire. Rockwell Automation's technology has become an integral driver of the scalable, modular, automated, closed system that's taken shape under the leadership of Tom Bollenbach, ARMI BioFab USA's Chief Technology Officer. Biofabrication is the industrial production of biological tissues that can be used for infinite therapeutic applications, including for burn injuries or damaged vasculature, in toxicology screening to test the safety of drugs under development, and to develop therapies to cure diseases, including renal failure and diabetes. Generating cells is relatively easy compared with the complexities of regenerating three-dimensional organs, such as kidneys, livers, hearts, or lungs, all of which are in the works by ARMI member companies. But how do you quality control living tissue? The challenges come specifically in determining how to transport fuel, nutrients, and oxygen, for example, to interior cells, and how to subsequently remove waste products, according to Bollenbach. Data has become a key enabler for finding correlations that help to predict behaviors in cells that need to accomplish these types of goals. Digital technology keeps moving the needle. Kamen noted how 50 years ago, people scoffed at what you could possibly need a computer for. But now we've digitalized the world in a way that people wouldn't have predicted in the days of transistors. Kamen compared the potential impact of democratized organ regeneration to the way wireless communication has changed our lives. Noting there are 2 billion transistors in a cell phone and coincidentally about 2 billion cells in a pancreas. What would you pay for a new pancreas for your child? The United States is going to spend 21% of its GDP on healthcare, mostly on chronic treatments, said Cayman. If we build an industry that allows people to replace organs, it could be more impactful on people's lives than cell phones. The ability to take futuristic technology like tissue or organ regeneration and make it scalable and customizable as a cell phone 
is at the heart of Biofab USA's vision. Turning now to our second facility, Downeast Cider House produces and packages its hard cider blends in Boston. The facility produces about 125,000 barrels of craft cider every year, according to Granger Flint, Director of Production and Supply Chain. That translates into almost 15 million liters of cider. For context, there are 13 states in the United States that produce less than that in craft beer, Flint mentioned. Pat Welsh, Director of Manufacturing ERP Consulting at the Revolution Group, an IT and Enterprise Resource Planning Integrator in Columbus, Ohio, was a key figure in guiding Down East through the implementation of Rockwell Automation's Plex Manufacturing Execution Suite which was kicked off in October, 2022. After about six months in April of this year, the system went live with Plex in the Boston plant. It launched without shutting down and without skipping a beat. Operators were able to just start up on a Monday morning and just run with Plex, and they haven't stopped since. Seven months later, they've been able to achieve some significant milestones reducing carrying cost of inventory by 10% and reducing cost of goods sold by 17%, which is great for a small business, especially one that's trying to grow about 20% each year, which Down East has done in the past. Before Plex, Down East was running its entire facility using Google Sheets and running its accounting software using build.com, which are both great tools for small businesses but as Down East has grown to be the number one cider in New England and the number one craft cider in the United States, it needed a better tool for what it was doing, which was why they chose Plex. Apples are sourced from all over the country and pressed locally before they're sent to Down East as tankers of juice, sometimes twice a day to keep up with demand. The apple juice is fermented and then turned into a kind of apple wine. The product is not like beer, which involves fermenting grains. Down East is more similar to a winemaker, taking apple cider and mixing it with yeast to make more of a wine-like product. Apples are harvested throughout the year and stored, so the characteristics of those apples and the mix of those apples will change throughout the year. That gives different characteristics to the base cider. Those different characteristics are something that must be controlled. So Down East can always produce a consistent product on the back end all year long. They'll make different adjustments to plans to make sure that they're getting the right notes. The facility runs one can line on which every can of Down East cider travels. Every can gets loaded onto the depalletizer and it's automatically lifted onto the line. The cans descend and enter the twist rinse where they're cleaned out, sanitized, and then prepared for packaging. Once they come through the twist rinse, the cans enter the filler before being topped by the seamer machine. The cans are then checked one more time by an X-ray to make sure of the right fill level and to make sure that there are no particles in the cider. After the cans are filled and checked, they move to the accumulation table for predetermined packaging configurations. Mixed packs, for example, 
can include different blends, which must be preloaded with other flavors that are picked by the facility's FANUC robot. The trays of mix packs are then palletized automatically with a top-tier palletizing machine. All operators have to do is pick up that pellet and then load it into the pushback racks where the finished product sits. Pellets are then loaded onto trucks through the single bay door, and then they're taken to Down East's offsite warehouse. Down East uses Plex at every step of the way in the process. As soon as the raw material comes through the door, it has a check sheet. It's received within Plex, and then it's tracked at each step of the fermentation process each and every day. There's a check sheet that the quality team fills out within Plex to then track the fermentation. Each fermentation is different for its own characteristics, so Down East needs to track each data point. They can use trends to make sure that they're making the right adjustments at the right time using the correct data each and every ferment. That then helps to build the right sweetness levels and the right alcohol levels for the finished product. The fermentation process takes seven to 10 days. The product is tracked each and every day, which permits Down East to determine if it can be used earlier or if it needs to sit longer, depending on the attributes of the apples and the sugars within those apples as well as the alcohol by volume or ABV target. Some of the ciders have a higher ABV target. After 10 days of fermenting, the cider is put into the bright tanks, which are where they make the blends. Down East uses a sort of apple wine as its base and then flavors it with different fruit juices and concentrates to create the desired flavors, which is done in those bright tanks. That process takes about 24 to 48 hours. Within that process, Down East tracks all through production within Plex. They're tracking all of the stability steps within Plex to make sure that it is a clean and safe product before it can be sent out the door and into stores where consumers can purchase in 18 states. That number continues to grow, which is why scalability continues to be a top priority. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Control Intelligence. If you'd enjoyed this episode, don't miss our older episodes and subscribe to find new podcasts in the future. You can find our podcast library at controldesign.com or you can download all episodes by Apple Podcasts or Google Play.